the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodi. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. All right. Hey, everybody. This is your good friend, Dr. David Proden from down here in the North Star Recording Studio. And it's been a while. Um, it's been almost two months since the last Safety Doc podcast. So welcome back. Welcome back. Let me tell you what's been going on here the last couple of months uh, with the show. So I took on a larger quantity of consulting work here for the fall. That will continue through the spring, kind of ending in the end of May. So it's uh, taken up a lot of time, folks, really has. And um, part of the balance there is the sacrifice of the uh, podcast uh, fidelity as far as getting these episodes out. But uh, today's going to be a good one. Um, want to also touch base here on an update. I taught a superintendent legal class this fall. So it's a class I teach. Every fall, I've been teaching uh, part-time at the university level for, hey, it's Red Crusader. Welcome, Red. Welcome, Red. Um, so, yeah, I've been teaching for 17 years part-time as a university instructor. And this fall, taught superintendent legal issues. You can imagine quite different than previous years because so much of it had to do with pandemic response. And one thing is for sure, schools really have no idea how to respond to this. At my state of Wisconsin, we have 421 school districts, over 2,200 buildings, school buildings. And once you include 4K and kindergarten community sites, it's about 3,000 buildings. Uh, there's no uh, useful guidance at all from our Department of Public Instruction, uh, from state organizations that districts pay you know, huge sums of money to every year. You know, uh, they're, they're really not, <laughs> they're doing the OLA, you know, kind of do it on your own. Here's something broad that applies to um, everybody and nobody at the same time. And uh, attorneys are just, you know, you're pretty much, uh, you know, you're pretty much on your own. Here, here are the risks. Here's the consequences. We don't know how this will play out in court. Just saw today that one district is preparing to litigate here in my state against um, its ad administration. And that would be a first. It's a smaller district um, because uh, they're saying, hey, you haven't kept us safe during uh, the coronavirus. Uh, basically, you haven't updated your HVAC systems in, in your buildings and stuff like that, you know, which we're talking. <laughs> I mean, how in the world do you do that in any, uh, you know, school building, right? Um, hundreds of thousands of square feet. You can barely do that in a hospital outside of just a couple of rooms. Um, so it, it's insane. It really is. So working with these new soups, um, you know, they're really put in a tough position because, again, they're not getting any guidance from the state. Um, or from their organizations, legal, they're just doing the best they can. And one of the things they shared with me is they said, Dave, you know, our our school board members are getting nervous um, because they don't know if they're going to be litigated against, you know, what happens if um, some people attend a sporting event and they test positive for COVID and then there's contact tracing. It says, it was at this sporting event at your school district. So is there some liability? Somebody... Um, dies or, you know, now at the college level, right, they're testing student uh, athletes, um, division one for enlarged heart afterwards. I, I, I'm just saying it's, it's really, it's just absolutely crazy. And then one week schools are online, next week they're offline, all of that stuff. So today though, today, 
going to be talking about something called um, regression to the mean or regression toward the mean. So I'm going to get into this in depth and stick with me. Or, you know, if it's got it's getting to be late where you're at, you know, bookmark this and come back to it. Um, but we're going to talk about regression to the mean. And right now we're at a very unusual period of time with regression of the mean, which basically means things in time return to average. So if I'm out there playing baseball, right, and, you know, for a couple of weeks I'm going bananas, hitting home runs and, and uh, triples and stuff like that, and my batting average is like 700 well, it's going to return back to the mean or back. It's going to regress back to like an average, like 300 or something like that. So we know, we know this, that things tend to um, always return to kind of a, of a mean. Um, but it's, it's actually not happening right now. So I'm going to get into that, what that means. And the fact that I'm saying it's not happening right now, it actually is happening right now. It's just we're looking at too small of a window. We need to think of terms of like years for kind of life to return to some kind of mean. And uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. I'm going to bring up a few kind of graphs and some visuals. Visuals will look at that. So if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, please do. Um, we're, you know, gradually increasing subscribership. Hit the like. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I am dedicated to this channel. 249 episodes out there. School and community safety, a lot of terrific interviews. Had Larry Lawton on uh, earlier in summer, you know, the biggest uh, jewel thief in America, ex-jewel thief now. Um, but yeah, Larry was on the show, so you can just track back and find a lot of really fascinating episodes that have to do with like face validity, how people responded under stressful situations, uh, Katie Pichon and the Cajun Navy, you know, just some great shows going back. And there'll be great shows um, on deck too. So, so yeah, if you can hit that subscribe and like, I would appreciate that. Um, so wanted to give a shout out today to one of my friends, Joe Dolio from the great state of Michigan, right? Well, I guess depending upon how we describe great, but yeah, Joe Dolio over in Michigan. Let's take a look right now. He has the website tacticalwisdom.com. So I'm going to share screen and uh, bring up a post that he made today. So made this post observing your surroundings again, tactical hyphen wisdom.com um, observing your surroundings. He talks about normalcy bias and it's described here as normalcy bias refers to an attitude that is entered when facing a disaster. People with the normalcy bias have difficulties reacting to something they have not experienced before. They also tend to interpret warnings in most optimistic way possibly, seizing on ambigu ambiguities to infer a less serious situation. So basically, they don't realize things are as bad as they are. And Joe wrote a brilliant uh, post about that today. And he also said, you know, you got to start looking more at what is happening around you. You have to do face validity, right? I talked about that many times in um, shows back in March and April when I was getting out. And I was going to places like the armory, you know, the grocery store, the bank, the hospital, what's hap actually happening. So Joe went out and he was taking uh, pictures. Uh, for ex example, this is the Walmart gun department. He took this picture today in Michigan um, in a Walmart near him. And as he's indicating, this is extremely unusual, right? Walmart did say they were going to clear off their guns and ammunition. Um, and that's what they've done. They've taken this. And he said there was, you know, local security guard there to patrol vehicles. I mean, very visible 
that they were clearing this out. This wasn't something covert that was happening when the store was closed, you know, being put into, um, you know, and you know, you could put this right into a Walmart truck that is parked uh, for unloading. You could have put this in an unmarked pallets and loaded it back on a trucks. And, you know, so, so these things, you know, Joe's pointing this out. This is very concerning, right? This, this is uh, this is a significant observation that right now in hunting season, when Walmart is making um, a lot of money off the sale of ammunition and guns, it's gone. It's gone. And the reason it's gone and Walmart has stated is the reason it's gone is, you know, they don't want people breaking into their stores, looting their stores after the election and getting their hands on these weapons. So that's really significant if we think about that. And, in, and I'm, I'm bringing this up now. One is this is an excellent post. All of Joe's Joe's posts are uh, are of this caliber. No pun intended, right? But um, but this also has to do with regression to the mean, um, meaning we're pretty far from that right now. We we have no idea when that's going to happen. When we're going to return to some uh, a normalcy or average, um, because we continue each day to go further and further from that in this trajectory out into the zone, um, which basically is known as failure to regress to the mean. We're not bouncing back. If this was a hurricane, you know, we would have um, a couple of weeks, things would be pretty wonky after a hurricane, people, you know, cleaning off streets and debris and whatever. And pretty soon, you know, stores would be stocked again and things would, would kind of be bouncing back for the most part. But again, we're in this prolonged state right now, really since about the middle of, of March, and it's only it's only getting stranger, and we're only getting further away from what this this mean is. So over time, statistically, um, we will return to some kind of of mean, um, but it could be years before we return to mean. And we, if we think of things, we have to think of things not in terms of like one year, five years, but a hundred years, or five hundred years, or thousand years of of society. So. Um, this we are. This is really weird for people right now to try to figure this out. But right, so they haven't had this happen in their lifetime. They're seeing this happen right now. Everybody, you know. First of all, there is no such thing as normal or similar, or, or there is no such thing as normal. Um, we have things that are similar. Similarity, right? Today, you know, we expect to be similar to yesterday, tomorrow similar today, stuff like that. But there is no such thing as as same or I guess as is kind of normal. But anyway, look at this picture here. Walmart um, clearing stuff off very overtly. Um, things are being, you know, cleared out. And then Joe also uh, took this picture and it is a um, energy complex. So, you know, that's providing your electricity and stuff. And they're putting up, first of all, they have secure, um, putting up more security, lights facing outwards, bright lights, you know, facing outwards. Or, you know, he's saying it's an anomaly anomaly like why would you do that right unless you're really expecting things to really go to hell so um you know this is happening um having more security toward these types of places i had a friend on 9 11 i had a friend uh phil and when 9 11 happened um that night so this is in wisconsin he he went took his took his hunting rifle and about a quarter mile from his house was an electrical substation kind of out in the middle of nowhere and he went and he camped out there the entire night. And I wrote about it in School of Airs. So, by the way, so, ouch, man. School of Airs, rethinking 
School Safety in America, hard copy. Check it out, Amazon. So um, really a good book about uh, chaos, engineering chaos thinking makes makes even more sense right now. So, but yeah, so my friend Phil, you know, is out there and wrote about it in the book. And so it seems, it seems kind of weird, right? But I mean, but he's saying, we don't know what's happening. 9-11, and, you know, information's, you know, coming in is real chaotic for um, this, this velocity of information. Um, are, are there going to be more attacks? Are there going to be attacks on the power grid, stuff like that, as domestic terrorism? So he's out there protecting this grid in the middle of nowhere. Of course, it wasn't anything. But it's, but it's different now, right? Because we do know that there have been substantial riots. There's ongoing riots. It doesn't take much to trigger a riot. Um, and and so, you know, we're looking at what's happening right now in Philadelphia. Um, imagine in the next week what happens as a result of the election. Um, it, and now it's more organized. It's not going to be just uh, storefronts and looting and statues. There will be attempts to go after power grids, to go after uh, water supplies, uh, water towers. Um, thing, you know, all of that is, is pretty much um, open, uh, you know, for... Uh, as prime targets um, right now uh, for civil unrest. People are going to be very angry. And again, I, I think as, as Joe is indicating, um, you know, we have very, um, very overt signs right here. Um, very overt signs. So let me go over to, to, the, to the chat. So um, first of all, hey, Sass, good evening, uh, Mictibus. Uh, Good evening, Todd Warrior. Thanks. Hey, hey, thanks. I haven't seen you in the chat before, so thanks for coming over here. Of course, Red, keeping things level in the great state of Ohio, our good friend Red. Uh, Juan, San Francisco. Appreciate uh, I had Juan as a guest on the show. Just always appreciate the work that he does as a photographer to really document what is happening. Um, life on the streets in San Francisco. He's a really, really sharp guy, and then he's always finding the cars that still have the, you know, the, the powerful V6s and V8s and bringing those back to life. So it's a good guy. Um, yeah, Mictibus, thanks for the shout out with uh, School of Airs. And, um, you know, School of Airs really, it's, uh, it's as relevant today in, in just safety, embracing safety, embracing, embracing uh, chaos situation. So one of the things, uh, when I was writing School of Airs, so I wrote about nine, 9-11, I had, uh, I had a contact with the city of New York Department of Planning um, and was able to get a lot of information. But there was something I didn't write in the book, which I'm going to mention right now. So in 9-11, right, there were uh, hundreds of people who stayed at their computers in the Twin Towers after the towers had been struck. And they stayed there to save files, right? They're saving their files and stuff instead of getting the hell out of the building. They're saving these files. And part of the reason, though, is it goes back to what Joe wrote about here, and it's normalcy bias. People want things to return to normal. They don't want to accept the fact that our building was just hit by a plane. Um, so, so they override. They take their brains and they go into this override mode. And it's just absolutely crazy. So you had hundreds of people stayed and did this stuff for several minutes. Some of them got out and some of them didn't. But here's something that happened after that. So some of the survivors formed a group and they would go around and they would they would 
meet with people who worked in high-rise buildings and they would do presentations. And, you know, this is like in 2005 and, you know, 2010. And they would say, here's what to do. If you if you're in a building and there's ever gets hit by a plane or there's some attack or something like that, so that, so they felt compelled to go around, even though you know 9/11 this kind of black swan event at the time, and and to tell people you have to recognize chaos, the moment of onset, and act. That was their main message, right? So you didn't hear a lot about this group. I mean, I I had I found them through work that I was doing and things like that, and they faded out over time, right? It's hard to keep a group like that together. But that was their message. That was their message of saying, you have to recognize the signs of chaos. So what do we see over here on the screen? Like we see the pictures of Joe, uh, you know, shares from, you know, the Walmart, the weapons being taken out of, out of Walmart, you know, that have been there forever during the, the sales season. Again, in the way that this is done, the way that this is being done, um, police cars out in front, security. I mean, there's a very overt message, right? That this is sending, uh, you could have done this at midnight. This could have all been into crates, could have been back onto a Walmart vehicle. There could have been some escort with the vehicle of an unmarked, you know, um, security, whatever. And, but that didn't happen. So why didn't that happen? Why was this, why was this so overt and, and these things going on? So it's really, it's really frightening. Um, well, I should say, I mean, it's 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 frightening to um, people who are tuning into it. Other people are just going about their day and they're not realizing what is happening. These significant levels of of change which are happening. This anticipation. So, um, you know, I know people in my state capital who've said, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of areas where anything that you know um, of value has been secured um, into um, off-site locations um, that they are anticipating, you know, again, substantial riots, substantial looting. Um, and I think be, it is, it'll be some greater than what we've seen. It's been demonstrated how, what people can do, uh, what the reaction of the police will be with the National Guard. Um, I just think we are in for a substantial, uh, substantial uh, week of, of, change and then how long that persists i don't i i don't know i can't imagine um where things will go from there but as as joe said you know watch and see what is what is happening around you so looking um sass too many wrote uh the overton window is always in lay yeah so the overton window is what is acceptable politically um at any time right so with school safety, where my area of expertise um, is one of my areas, right? But school safety, um, if there is a, a Sentinel school shooting event, um, the Overton window changes. So, you know, maybe there would be, you know, more legislation on, on gun restriction following a Sentinel school safety event, um, things that you wouldn't have thought um, possible prior to that Sentinel events. So yeah, the Overton window uh, significantly is impacted by by what's happening, what kind of legislation gets proposed, um, what gets gets approved. Um, 9-11 was a big shift on the Overton window. Um, you know, for example, legislation, what people were uh, willing to give up, give up in order to maintain flying, you know, take your shoes off in an airport, 
Um, you know, I have a small bottle of shampoo and, and stuff like that. It's just also shift to the social contract, but, um, but yeah, absolutely wild. So uh, Bacon, uh, welcome. Welcome from uh, Inglewood, our good friend, uh, Bacon Maldito. So um, yeah, I, I think as McTavis, I, I think as, as you indicated, we're going to have serious unrest. And the thing is like, we're, we're very close to it right now, right? We're just days away. And it doesn't seem that, that people are recognizing just how close we are to um, what I would say would be the sentinel event of my lifetime. Um, I, you know, I, it could very well be that you know we we see um, you know disruption of you know deliveries, uh, postal power. Um, that there would be attacks on different grids. I mean, who knows what's out there being funded for um, deep fakes, right? I talked about that on my PBS presentation back in 2019 and, and that the first hearing in Congress on uh, responding and preventing deep fakes was like in 2018 or something. I mean, it's like, you know, it was just crazy and how much money is being put into this. But um, so, yeah, but anyway, Thanks to uh, thanks to Joe Dolio for that post today. I want to share a couple books. Uh, one is Concrete Jungle by Clay Martin. So um, I ordered Clay's new book, Prairie Fire, from Amazon. It's like eleven bucks. Uh, Concrete Jungle is well worth the money. It's it's also in that range. This came out earlier earlier this year, so I think February March, and it seems like it was written like. <laughs> you know, in April and, and, and it was so prophetic of, of what was likely to happen with the uh, coronavirus. And, you know, Clay, I talked to Clay, it was a guest on the show, I wrote this a year, year ago, but um, just, you know, it came out this spring. It's a terrific read. Prairie fire is the next step to this. Um, but concrete jungle uh, there again, so much in here of value, but one of the things, you know, I just repeat back to people and say like, well, you know, what are some things that stick out of uh, concrete jungle? So Clay Martin, uh, you know, respected uh, career in the military um, working on, you know, survival intelligence. And, but uh, I said, one of the things that stuck out from, from the book, you know, Clay said, Hey, do you, do you want to um, advertise your affiliations? I mean, do you really want to put a bumper sticker on your truck, um, which indicates you know politically where you lean, or even sports team where you lean, sports ball, whatever, or in your lawn or things like this? And the fact was, you know, he's writing about this not from a position of of you know being afraid to express, I guess, your First Amendment right, but. The thing is, you don't know how someone's going to interpret this, right? You don't know uh, if someone is going to be unhinged because they see something which they perceive as offending uh, them or, you know, some group they're affiliated with. And suddenly, you know, they've they've damaged your vehicle and your $500 deductible is gone because you've got a new paint job you've got to work on or your house gets, uh, you know, damaged or spray painted because of some sign. Um so, you know, it, it's, it's advice like that, that comes out of, of steps to take and say, you know, we're just, we're, we are in this point right now where the best, um, you know, first, the best consideration is to keep yourself off of, off of the radar. Right. And the second is, um, recognize when you're in extreme situations and how to extricate yourself the, the hell out of there, or if you have to, to defend yourself. So, I mean, it's not a, it's, it's not a book about retreating. It's a book about wisdom. So, um, 
My my other recommended book here is uh, Thinking Fast and Then Slow with Daniel Kahneman. Now this is a <laughs> this is a thick read, man. So this book actually, and if you you know just freeze the the screen here, Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, this came out maybe about ten years ago. Uh, talks about how people process information. And uh, it's, it's great. It has so many stories, uh, so many research stories. Um, so you can find this actually on YouTube. And as an audiobook, just download it. It's free on YouTube. Um, so, but I've listened to it a couple times on, on long drives. Like I said, going to the university, stuff like that. And it's, it's so, you know, some of the examples, you know, he's always talking about kind of the first the first brain and the second brain of, you know, people, if they, they just take things without thinking of it versus then the second brain of processing information, um, you know, a little deeper, for example, you know, a question, you know, he poses like, you know, um, uh, you know, true, you know, true or false, um, or, you know, Moses, um, led the animals, um, on the ark. So like, you know, I'll just pause, you know, you can respond to that in the chat. So Moses, you know, uh, led, um, you know, led um, the animals on the ark. So his, um, you know, the findings on that, I see bacon, bacon's like, yes. So, but, uh, so the findings on that, most people uh, initially say, well, well, yeah, because it's a priming, it's, it's, it's Moses, they know the ark that the animals went on the ark. But it wasn't Moses, right? It was it was Noah who led the animals on on the ark. So, but he, there's so many examples in in that book. Um, wow, it's pretty pretty crazy stuff. So I'm going to be working over here on my on my split screen, um, getting stuff uh, ready here. So let me let me bring uh, bring this one up. So share screen. All right. Okay, so this is basically um, an example of, um, you know, kind of um, a regression to the means. So reported happiness as a, as a function of income. So, you know, one of these things is we know people that don't have a lot of money kind of, you know, if you're making $20,000, you're reporting a two out of 10 on a happiness score. And the more money you make, kind of the, the more this correlates, right? Or, or there's a relationship here. There's the happier you are up to a certain point. So this is this is basically what a regression line looks like. And then you know you you draw this through points. And so we can also um, take like you know um, the stock market has a regression line. Uh, batting averages have a regression line. Um, you know things like that. But I don't want to get too too complex into that right now. But we're basically saying that. Um, Things regress to the to the mean. So let's talk about the Sports Illustrated Jinx. Okay, Sports Illustrated Jinx. So of course the Jinx is if you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, then the next year you're going to tank. You suck. <laughs> so, and you know a lot of times that is true, but it's true because right. Let's think about this. You make the cover of Sports Illustrated because you had a phenomenal year as an athlete. And statistically, you will regress to the mean. It's unlikely that you will repeat that performance or that you'll do better than that. The likelihood is, statistical likelihood is, you'll fall back 
to more of a typical performance. So that happens. That is, that's, that's not because of, of a jinx or a hoax or anything like that. It just means, um, you know, it's unlikely you're going to repeat the performance that you had from a statistical standpoint. It's just not going to happen. So looking over here in the, the chat, uh, um, Bacon, um, I suppose I should start consolidating my writings into like a book or three when I get some time. So, yep, um, I'm working on also the velocity of information right now, and I need to crank that up into high gear. Um, Bacon also wrote, um, Shut Your Trap um, is one of the most important martial arts in practice. And um, don't be there, uh, uh, Jitsu, <laughs> and deny engage engagement. Right. Um, I remember that. Um, talking with a with a firearms instructor he said you know the, the the first advice right is just don't be in a situation where you know you're you're likely to have a lot of things going on around you that you have no control over like you know so for example if it's if it's you know riots and and these uh, protests that tend to go pretty violent um, you know don't go there I mean, don't don't drive down to these um, or, you know, to these communities or these places where these things are happening. It's like Joe Dolio said, it means it's not hard to find out where the stuff is being planned. You can, you know, find that online. But uh, people who just want to go and observe suddenly find themselves being there and and uh, yeah, participating um, or, or being brought into it or their cars are surrounded in some area. And then, you know, then what do you do? I mean, it's absolutely, absolutely just crazy. But um so, yeah, yeah. Sass wrote uh, Sports Illustrated. Sounds like fifteen minutes of fame. So I had uh, had the privilege of having uh, dinner with uh, Aaron Clary and, and uh, Chad Elkins, and um, which was kind of like a fifteen minutes of, of fame. That was that was really really a good time. And I was sharing with both of them that maybe about fifteen years ago we had a garage sale. And I had a number of these basketball trophies from a summer league that I participated in, a traveling league, um, not a semi-pro thing, you know, <laughs> just is a, a kind of a traveling rec league type uh, type thing um, around the mid uh, around the Midwest. So it wasn't like anybody got picked up into this league and, and made it to the NBA or anything like that. So um, I was doing that, you know, from my late twenties to early thirties. It was fun. I mean. And silver time, you just get a lot of trophies from stuff like that. And I kept one. I've got it over here. Um, one of one of the nicer ones. And the rest, I'm like, I just don't need these anymore. I mean, why? I just said, what am I going to do with these? So I, I put them in a rummage sale. And um, some guy comes in and he's like, hey, I I'll buy all of these. I'll buy every one of these, you know, like for a buck or whatever. But, um, but I only buy them if your husband signs them. So she's like, okay, I'll set them aside. So I get home from work and she's like, Hey, there's a guy who's going to stop back. Uh, he bought your trophies, but he wants you to sign him. I'm like, sign him. What the hell is that about? Why was, why would anybody want me to sign, um, you know, sign these, these trophies? I mean, it's just, um, <laughs> there's, there's no value that's going to be added to him, uh, for me to sign like this wooden base of, of this trophy. And, and, uh, you know, I have no fame of my own, uh, from playing in this league. But, uh, but anyway, the guy comes back and he has the money and, uh, he has a, a nice, um, Sharpie 
and he watches me sign each of these <laughs> these trophies. So um, I don't know. I think I sign my name, and, and then the day, and not a lot of room like on these trophies to to sign on this wooden base. And uh, he was thrilled, man. He was like, "This is awesome." And uh, I don't know who he was. No, I have no idea. <laughs> Um, I don't even know if he lives, you know, in my community or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, so anyway, sign. That was my 15 minutes of fame. I shared in that story last night. I said, because, you know, being, being the safety doc, um, there's a small niche of people who really get into the work that I do, who've read every article I've written, you know, listened to every show, watch a PBS stuff. And, uh, and I get people who, who will email me questions, you know, about articles or, or a certain part of, of a show or, or something like that. And, uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, but again, you know, it's just, it's, I'm trying to, to change, um, you know, right now and say, you know, the safety stuff, the school safety stuff is still there, but I'm really focusing more on the whole chaos engineering and trying to understand, uh, what's happening, you know, and, and kind of become more of like a social chaos engineer, uh, you know, type expert. That's where I'm, I'm evolving to. So, it's just, it's just kind of crazy, but, uh, but yeah, so hey, Mictibus, yeah, you saw that tweet. So, um, yeah, it was, it was funny because, well, a few, a few things from that one, it, we had planned this for quite a while. It was, uh, it, you know, it was the crossing of schedules for all of us that allowed it, allowed it to happen. So kept it pretty low key because, um, just didn't know if it was going to, you know, to actually happen or not. Uh, and we all, we all live in different, you know, states and, um, and then, um, I've never seen anybody eat as fast as Aaron Clary. So, <laughs> I mean, um, he, I, I looked up, uh, and, and, uh, you know, from, from my meal and, and he was done after I had like two bites in. So, um, yeah, I've, I've never seen anybody, anybody eat that fast. Um, but no, it, it was absolutely a great time. I appreciate, uh, as, as, you know, having all of you, you know, SAS, Mictibus, uh, Red, um, you know, we talked about it yesterday. We said it's it's intellectual discussion discourse. Um, it's there's so little of it out there that when it does happen, you take notice and you know you, you kind of you, you just savor it, right? Because that's that's not that's not what what's happening now. You know, it's all the reality TV shows. Uh, you know, people are oversaturated saturated with social media, and it, it's it's just. You know, you just don't have a good intellectual talk about a range of topics, and that's what we were able to enjoy over a, a tremendous, um, a tremendous dinner too. So, um, so yeah, it was really, it was really a good time. Um, so I appreciate it that uh, we were able to do that. So, uh, Bacon wrote, uh, did the same, kept the trophies my school made, but took pics, toss all my tournament ones. So, I actually have trophies. <laughs> I, I have uh, trophies. I coached basketball junior high basketball for i think six years and i started i was like seven 16 or 17 years old 16 and i coached um a middle school a catholic school boys basketball team and it was so this was back in like 1989 <laughs> maybe 1990 um yeah a long time ago and it was it was a regular league i mean they had catholic schools from other cities and um uh, you know, pretty big stuff. Um, the championship was played in like a high school gym. There were like a thousand people that showed up for it. Someone came out and sang the national anthem. And, and uh, it's, it, it's really back in that time was kind of a thing. And, 
and I coached and um, the uh, one year we, we won first place. We were, I think 18 and five. And I have the, the trophy back there. Um, I guess I actually think the school is going to get rid of it. They're going to, I recycled a lot of them. I took them to, um, I think it was uh, special Olympics for a while was accepting uh, trophies. And so I had like a whole trunk load and <laughs> I took it and said here, and then, you know, they would, they would rebadge them and, and stuff like that. And then, um, it was the school was cleaning out their trophy case and somehow got a hold of me and, and said, Hey, like, we're either going to get rid of this or if you want it, you can have it. So I took it. And at this point, I don't know, it seems like wrong to, to get rid of it. Although, I mean, like I said, the only, the only thing is it's a dust collector. It's not easy to, um, <laughs> those things just, you know, suck up dust. But so, so yeah, let's, let's talk here about, um, the velocity of information and failure to regress to the mean. So I'm going to um, move us over here. Um, so yeah, Sass wrote the only trophies I ever got were scars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty funny too because you know those trophies, even though they're they're from the 80s, I mean they're still mostly all just plastic. <laughs> yeah, it's not like the trophies from the 40s and 50s that were made out of you know metal or brass or something. So. I do have that one basketball trophy, which is really cool. I have a trophy over here too from uh, high school bowling league. <laughs> I was in. You're right. I mean, now that now that you're kind of uh, bringing this up in the chat, I'm like, why the hell do I even have these things? I really need to, need to clear out and get rid of them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share screen and uh, I'm gonna bring this up. Um, okay, so you don't you don't see me right now, but what you see is uh, this diagram, the velocity of information, and I'll come back on screen here in a little bit. But I want you to to, to look at this. I'm going to make it a little bit bigger here, so um, this this will make sense. So um, this is back uh, March of 2020. So again. Uh, this is when everything was going down, right? We're here, and oh, the NBA is is closing. Like at halftime, they came out of the one game, and they're like, hey, everybody has to go home. Um, Disney shut down. Everything, you know, just ground to a halt, and information was crazy, right? We were just hearing, oh, we have a shortage of ventilators. Uh, hospitals will be overrun. Um, that's the night of the 24-hour shopping, and uh, – you know, people were buying a pasta, toilet paper was shelves were just cleared off. It was it was it was wild because nobody knew what was going on. So that was the onset of you know basically where we're at right now, right? So that's the onset. Now everything to the left of that over there, this uh, return to utopia on on the left, you see it. Um, as we remember before March, if you ask people. Tell me about before March. I mean, they'll remember it as paradise, as absolutely the best time ever. You know, stock market was high. Everything was in stock. And, you know, we don't realize that, yeah, there were a lot of things that weren't great back then. I mean, it was a hell of a lot better, I guess, than it was now in a lot of ways. But um, but everyone is going to have this false baseline of, like, how great things really were. But anyway, so we look at this. Um, so take a look there in, in March. All right. All right. So um, then we we get down here at the bottom of uh, March onset of chaos. So chaos starts as a change from Taurus, meaning predictability. So what our um, 
what our days were like, you know, that we could predict day-to-day similarity that went out the window. We had no idea. We're hearing, oh, everyone, you know, you're going to have to stay at home, safer at home orders. You can't do this. We're not sure you can travel state to state. The airlines might shut down all of that. So this is this onset. Now, normalcy bias, right? What Joe Dolio talked about, um, you know, people were, were either accepting this and saying, okay, we're, this is a chaos. I've got to start I've got to start covering my basis on that. I've got, I've got to start observing what's happening around me. I've got to get my supplies together because um, or else people would just be like, ah, this will blow over. This is just, you know, um, people are overreacting and things like that. So those are the people who stay with normalcy bias. We still have some of those people um, out there today. And again, and then when I say this, it's the fact that you have to understand how other people and also the governments are reacting to this. So you might have stayed pretty steady throughout this, and congratulations if you did. Um, but the fact is you have to observe and acknowledge the behaviors which are happening. You have to observe that Walmart is having police you know, outside of their buildings and security while they're taking their their rifles and um, ammunition out right now. I mean, you, you have to... You, you have to recognize the things that are overt, you know, that the power company at their main stations are bringing in, you know, secure, uh, secured vehicles, you know, armored vehicles, and then also putting in additional lighting. So this whole thing down here on the left of cognitive dissonance, um, people get faced with either forced compliance, right? Hey, you have to wear a mask. You have to stay six feet apart. You can't travel. You have to have essential papers to travel. Um, and then they get overwhelmed with new information. So this is when um, cognitively it gets really foggy for people. Now I'd say like a lot of you, like SAS and, you know, Bacon and, you know, Mictibus, Juan, you know. So, you know, for you, you observe this in people. You probably didn't experience, experience this so much yourselves because, I mean, you're really uh, deep thinkers, right? You look at things, you observe, you make decisions. But you probably saw this in a lot of people. You saw this behavior. So we get toward the end of March. So we talk about velocity of information. News media is just pouring stuff out there. We're hearing ventilators are going to shortage of ventilators. You know, all people are going to be dying. Um, hospitals overwhelmed. Things be shut down. And in March, we started to get the emails. Right, all of us got emails. Hey, I'll be, you know, hear from the company you bought from, and we're here to support you. And we know this is a hard time. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Thanks, WordPress. Thanks, Calvin Klein. I mean, just absolutely worthless stuff. Local news media started to go out and interview businesses. Oh, what are you going to do? And all of this stuff. Instead of just like, you know, rehashing what they're hearing from, uh, you know, the big news outlets. So that's happening the end of March. A um, couple other things here. So pandemic, civil unrest, all of these new terms came in. I had a show with Bacon Maldito and, and we talked about the um, pandemic lingo. So you can find that on safetyphd.com, pandemic lingo. Um, and Bacon was was keeping track of terms. And Bacon, you can send me up a, a new list if you want to expand it because I haven't been tracking um, this as thoroughly if you, as you have. And Sass to me, you're right. <laughs> it was all of all of this all of this stuff over here um, where the companies were doing this. It's all virtue signaling, right? I mean, that's completely <laughs> they they don't care. Um, but it's it, it's a narrative that they that they jump on, um, and yeah, just absolutely crazy. So this new vocabulary up above, um, those are six of the terms, but we know there are at least 15 or more. And from a linguist point of view, okay, so I have a degree as a speech language pathologist. 
um, before I obtained my PhD. So I studied linguistics and it's very, very uncommon one to have uh, so many new vocabulary words in a year. So here's just six social distance, such a worker, safer at home, flatten a curve, contact tracing, self-quarantine. Um, and what happened is we got all of this new vocabulary and we also had to learn what it meant, right? Like what does safer at home mean? Is it a lockdown? Does it mean you can only go out an hour a day to, you know, work out? Does it, I mean, what does this really mean? Or self-quarantine, like for how long and I, can I still go out and get groceries? Or what is, you know, people knew social distance. They kind of got that down as, okay, six foot. Or you see these stupid signs, be four penguins apart. I'm like, I'll take the six feet. I don't know how wide a penguin is. So, you know, but you have to take these and put them into your lexicon. And your lexicon, that's what you use every every day. So that, that becomes part of your vocabulary. So a lot of this stuff, um, you know, typically terms that we hear, they, they don't transfer to our lexicon and how rare that is actually is like in 2017, the only word that really transferred into a lexicon was a uh, spaghetti map. And that was from Southern U S after hurricanes, what Irma and Harvey came in and they had those prediction maps. It basically looked like you dropped a whole bunch of spaghetti on top of Florida. And it'd be like, here's one way it could, hurricane could go. Here's another, here's another. Um, so spaghetti map became a term that people knew. So if you heard a weather person talking about spaghetti map, um, you knew that it was just, okay, they're going to run 300 simulations and this is where things are likely to go. And actually both hurricanes didn't follow the, the path of the spaghetti map anyway. So anyway, so here we are. Let's take a, take a look out. So we get to the end of March. Companies are sending us that stuff. We get to May and we hit this thing called finite voltage. So finite voltage means, and this is, this is kind of my term. I mean, this is my, this is my thing. Uh, finite voltage. Now there are points in previous research studies, government studies, uh, Dr. John Apple, um, military psychiatrist that, that had, had a lot of information that kind of came into this, but I'm looking at civilian studies of civilian breakdown, how people, they just lose it. Like I just can't take it anymore. I mean, I'm just going crazy. Um, they start making really horrible uh, decisions. You know, they become violent with people. Um, they, their finances, you know, they might just sell everything that they have at a loss. Um, they just start to panic. So that hits the civilian population about 90 days. We're looking at May, June, July. And you probably, again, you knew a lot of people that this happened to. Um, so yeah, bacon, red, sass, mictibus. Um, you know, you you know people that lost it and they lost it before 90 days. If you're a kid, um, you know, some kids that, uh, you know, why can't I go to the playground? So at the bottom here, this thing called time dilation, or I'm going to bring it up here, time, time dilation. So if you're a kid right now and, you know, you're, you're like seven, eight years old. You don't really remember much before uh, the time before there was all of this coronavirus stuff, all of the stuff where you couldn't be out on the playground or you had to be one pool noodle away from somebody else. You know, again, you know, if you're seven, eight years old, this is 10% of your life. I mean, if you're my age, this is, you know, one, you know, one and a half be 2% of my, I mean, it's, it's small. So, the, the younger you are, the bigger impact this has on you. So anyway, people start losing it. May, June, July, there's also this thing called wet bulb effect, right? Um, wet bulb effect basically means 
So if you go outside as an athlete, I have to consider this when I go out biking. So wet bulb effect means here's the deal. Um, it is, you know, 97 degrees with, you know, almost 90% humidity, right? <laughs> Just crazy. Um, if I go outside biking on that day, I'm not going to be able to shed heat from my body, right? Because the environment is already saturated. The air is already heavy. It's hot. I'm not going to be able to, to sweat and cool down. It's not good for me. Probably die. So this basically kind of happens in a media and psychological perspective with people too. Everywhere they go, they see that they go to Walmart, they see the arrows on the floor. You can only go this way. They see this signs six feet apart. Every They get notices, hey, our, your bank lobby is closed. You can't do this. Every news article, right? Every leading news article is about coronavirus in some capacity. So you can't get away from it. Um, so it starts to overwhelm people unless they intentionally go in and tune it out. But a lot of people don't. They're just addicted to media, social media, things like that. So the wet bulb, May, June, July, um, really pushes people toward this finite voltage of just kind of, you know, they languish, anger, depression. You know, there's a lot of people. I mean, it really, it's study <laughs> internet searches right now, right? Keywords for depression, depression treatment, stuff through the roof. So we get this pandemic civil unrest is happening. We're at about a hundred days here, this, this finite voltage. Then get this right. Then it gets really crazy. Um, this is where we thought we'd kind of return to a normal, like in August and it never happened. Things just got more wonky. Uh, we had more riots but, and what people did is they surrounded themselves with comfort items. They're buying uh, puzzles, uh, video games really, really hard to get. You start to see other things start to go um, very hard to find in interior paint, freezers. People start to, to buy canning supplies. So when you hit this point, it's called crowd and behavior. So finite voltage is one thing. It's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters. Um, you know, well, I'm fuzzy on the whole good, bad thing. What happens when you cross the streams? Uh, imagine every, you know, pro, you know, proton in your life, uh, your molecule, uh, Reversing at the speed of light. Oh, good, bad. Okay, I got it. Um, so, so basically, you have this crowd in behavior that happened around August. People are buying, and we know this, like from the stores and things like that. This, I was able to get this information. You can see what people are doing when when they hit crowd in behavior, and stores shifted for this. They started to put in things that people um, that made people feel good, right? Like they were, they were selling more things like pillows <laughs> and especially if they had them in stock, they were bringing out holiday things, especially overseas in Germany. In August, they were bringing out Christmas items that they normally wouldn't bring out until at least the end of October. Um, because people were, were they wanted them, they wanted trinkets, they wanted stuff like that. But when you see this happen, crowd and behavior, crowd and behavior usually doesn't happen. Um, because one, you have to get kind of beyond this 90 days and when you see crowd and behavior, like World War II is a good example. The Great Depression is another good example. Interviewing people, many people, you know, in the 1930s, reading through transcripts, and they would say, I don't think this will ever end. And it, you know, for a lot of them, it, it went on for, you know, five, eight years, um, especially, you know, up until the, the U.S. had entered, you know, World War II. But um, so, you know, these people were, were just saying, I don't think this is going to end. So crowd in behavior indicates that people right now don't think this is going, they don't know when this will end. There's, they have no definite end point to it. Um, so they're saying, I'm going to make myself comfortable. 
so this whole thing of crossing the streams, finite voltage, when finite voltage happens and then also crowding behavior shoots up and, and then the streams cross in July, it basically indicates uh, a lot of people feel hopeless. So they're going to surround them sing, with things that make them happy and they're, they're just going to become stagnant. And, um, and anything can set, you know, people off. They'll even kind of uh, embrace situations uh, that, you know, that, that might become very chaotic in the chance that it brings back some normalcy for them. So it's, it's really dangerous. Finite voltage and crowd and behavior. I can't stress enough that when these cross, this is very, very bad. So I'm going to uh, just put me on the screen here for a little bit. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so when that finite voltage and crowd and behavior crosses like in, in August, it's really, it's, it's just, it's a really bad sign. So I interviewed Randy Travis, um, yeah, uh, on, on the show. Not Randy Travis. Who the hell was it? Randy Travis is a singer, right? But um, uh, we interviewed. We talked about um, he. He, God, what the hell's? Uh, he's gonna. He's gonna. Uh, I feel bad for this. But I, I can't remember. Um, I think it, it is Randy Travis, isn't it? It is. Uh, so I had him on my show. We talked about um, Robert Travis. Oh, God. Sorry, Robert. Sorry, man. He's a friend too, Robert. Okay, Robert Travis. Uh, Safety Doc Podcast 145 back on August 3rd. So he was an Alaskan crab boat guy. So he w- I'd say like, yeah, he did 122 days on a crab boat in 2007. Just crazy stuff, right? 60-foot swells, refrigerator-sized chunks of ice coming across the deck. If they hit people, take them out. Um and the most dangerous job, Bureau of Labor Statistics, most dangerous job you could have. So how, how the hell did you survive? And he's like, well, you knew it was going to end, right? There was an end to the season, and then you'd come back in. There was no extension, whatever. So if you got to 122 days, it was done, you got to go in. But we're not there right now. No one knows when uh, you know this is going to end or really has any hint. If anything, people expect right now that this is going to get substantially uh, more wonky and more chaotic. So anyway, let's take a look over. So we're at this crowd and behavior. Now we're beyond this. So everything over here in the green, this is this is what is called um, failure to regress to the mean. So remember, we had the if you have a baseball, a major league baseball player, um, you know, has two weeks and he hits like a ten home runs and it just goes crazy. You know, batting like seven hundred for two two weeks. Um, you know, at some point, that player is going to regress to the mean. Statistically, it will happen. Like you will return back to a, you know, three hundred batting average and and whatever. You can, you just don't defy statistics over time. But we're defying statistics over time right now. Uh, we are failing to regress to the mean or some similarity in um, society. Right, that we're not having to wear masks, that we're not having to wake up in the morning and hear, oh, by the way, um, you know, Walmart, our biggest retailer is taking out all weapons right now in the next 48 hours because they anticipate that their stores could be broken into and looted during during riots. Um, we're, we're moving further away from what is a normal, quote unquote, normal day that we would have experienced, um, you know, basically like uh, back in February, and before that. So this failure to regress to the mean is where we're at right now. Now, when we look at this, um, you know, th- 20, 30 years from now, this might only be like a one or two year 
thing might be right. Maybe it's going to be like a five-year thing, but it will be, it, 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 there will be some mean that we will regress to. Now, you know, the question is like, where will that, where will that be? What will we regress to? Um, I don't have an idea, but I want to just, you know, again, make that statement. This failure to regress to the mean is an area we haven't been in, um, you know, since, uh, since really the, the thirties. Um, so none of us remember this. It's very unusual. Uh, we can't expect tomorrow to be like today. So Mictibus says, I give it five more days personally. Yeah. Something I, we are, I mean, this adds so much strain and stress to the situation that either it is just going to completely break and then that will, that, you know, that will basically kind of end things. Um, or we're, we're going to be out in some weird satellite um, similarity area that we've never been in before. It's, it's just nuts. So, yep, this is what people are doing. You know, more learning skills. Canning will probably have another run on supplies. Um, this terminology, um, crowd and behavior. So here's a few things, though. You know, again, Joe Dolio says it. Um, go out and observe things for yourself. Go out and watch just like Joe did today. Well, I mean, he saw like what's happening at the Walmart. So you can say, I observed versus they said things you can do for your own life, especially if you, if you have kids, I strongly suggest this, especially right now. Um, I think you need to, you know, change things up every 30 days, very overtly. And I say that based upon a research stud studies on civilian populations, uh, especially back in world war two, but also dating back, um, you know, to the great depression that, you know, every, every 30 days with your, with your family, you know, now, Hey, we're going to, you know, if it's spring or something, whatever, we're going to, we're going to be focusing on planting a garden or, or composting or learning some skills or learning like some, uh, new, new game. Some of this can be skills-based, uh, you know, whatever, uh, we're going to 30 days, uh, we're going to learn some situational awareness stuff. We're going to be making, making maps of our, uh, yard or apartment complex or some things in our city or whatever it is. But the, if you do that, it gives people this artificial sense kind of that they are moving back to a similarity. Um, it, it works for quite a while. Governments have, have done this. They've done it successfully in world war two. Um, it's harder today with people having access to social media and stuff. So, um, hey, Sir Brian Bowden is in Brian. Uh, Brian was a guest last night on Masculine Geek Podcast, um, the Jersey Devil. So, um, Brian, I did not listen uh, to it in real time. Um, I was at a, another event, but uh, they're fortunate to have you on. So, um, yeah. So, um, uh, Bacon, Bacon, um, or Brian was writing, and Brian is in, in the Bronx in New York. Um, you better get your supplies now. It's going to hit the fan soon. And I think so. I, I, I think um, I've been ramping up, you know, our frequency of, of shopping. And, um, you know, we already uh, had some items. But I, I think we're in for um, something much more substantial than what we've seen before. And especially now we, we understand <laughs> what the police response and government response will be to riots. And in a lot of areas, it was largely a stand down or, or sacrificing certain areas of a, of a town. Um, 
And so now once that, you know, that people know that that's going to be the likely response, um, I anticipate we're going to see a very substantial um, disruption through uh, violent events. Um, I wouldn't, again, be surprised to see attacks on, uh, you know, electrical substations. Joe did post pictures where they're starting to fortify those in his area. Um, so also, you know, embrace crowd in just in this, this green part on the bottom here, number three. It's okay. Get some things around you that make you feel good right now. Um, number four, Parkinson's Law. And I, I talked uh, with Chad Elkins about this. Uh, he's he's observing it quite a bit um, with some of his clients. Chad's a, a CPA also, um, works with, uh, you know, people, taxes, things like that. But anyway, Chad, uh, Chad was talking about people who are saying, hey, I'm working like all the time now um, since I'm working from home. And this thing called Parkinson's Law basically means um, people need a start time and an end time to their work day or even their, their regular day, you know, if you're retired or something like that. Um, so when people abruptly have, you know, they've gone to an office or something for 15 years and suddenly they're working from home, what they were doing, Parkinson's Law, for example, at, at virtual uh, reality in Chicago, uh, th this place that started up it was doing like virtual reality gaming. Um, they they were shut down by the city that they couldn't do virtual reality gaming. But then they when they were able to reopen, I interviewed Aaron, the owner. Um, they were selling space. These these basically they had a, kind of these cubes already for people to come in and do this virtual reality stuff. They were selling those because people wanted work areas. <laughs> They're like, I want some place I can go in the morning. I have good Wi-Fi and there's like air conditioning and, and then I can like come home at night. So he rents these spaces out and the business is doing um, better. Like it's, there's more people doing that. So anyway, here's just, here's just a bigger picture kind of of this failure to regress to the mean. It's on the right side of this whole thing called philosophy of information, which is the title of the book that I'm writing. And just, you can see Again, once we got finite voltage, it's, it's really critical to understand. It's about at 90 days, a lot of people start to lose it. Typically, you know, we we kind of get back to something that's normal. Um, you know, imagine like if this was a hurricane or it was a volcano or, you know, whatever it is. Even 9-11, right after um, three months, we had, uh, we returned to a higher level of, of similarity far uh, greater than what we have now. I mean... For example, we weren't anticipating a month after 9-11 that we would have additional, um, you know, plane attacks on the U.S. and things like that. But right now, our baseline, what's happening every single day is is different, right? I mean, we we wake up and it's like you can't go, you know, you can't get a, a gun at, at Walmart, you know, right now. And, um, you know, the, the more restrictions coming out and you, you can't have so many, you know, these people together. What was it? I just read with... Um, with Great Britain where um, they're banning Christmas gatherings and they will enforce it by going into your house if they suspect that you're having a Christmas gathering. And um, Nikolai uh, Razvayu was on the show and he is from, lives in Australia now. Uh, you might remember him as um, the Russian uh, cyclist, a uh, national cyclist um, back in, in the eighties. And he was biking, you know, 62 miles away from Chernobyl right after the, the nuclear disaster, like, 30 hours after it happened. But, um, you know, he's saying, you know, where he's at, right, in uh, in Australia, they have an hour a day where they can be outside exercising or biking, and there's only a certain distance that he can go from his house. So it's like, whoa. Um, so we, we see these progressive measures 
uh, being put in place, um, all kinds of different levels of government. And now we're seeing, you know, additional things put in place through retail. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, we just said Walmart, we're starting to see um, visually, you know, observing as Joe did, fortifications of power grids, uh, other, you know, municipal, you know, areas, things like that. So water sources, I'm just like, wow. Um, and we are really, really close um, to something substantial happening. And, and I think this failure to regress to the mean in the next week, we're either going to be sharply moved back to a mean through a highly kind of violent, um, you know, few days, or else we are going to, um, uh, you know, I guess, uh, enter a, a almost a warring, um, degraded um, state of government and, you know, almost like a, 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 a soft civil war or a, or a metro civil war. I, d I don't know in, in how long that would continue. Um, but yeah, so this whole, I didn't know what to call this, right? This failure to regress to the mean. Um, I had no idea. So, and I was, I was, that was a blank spot. And I'm thinking, what is that? There's also this thing called a uh, black swan event. I want to talk about that for just a second. So uh, Sir Baden, uh, uh, Sir Brian uh, Bowden. Okay. So, um, so what Bacon wrote, um, it ain't going back. Don't know about your area, but got attacked a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. I, I saw that Bacon. Yeah. That uh, Bacon was, was attacked. Um, and first of all, <laughs> I mean, and Bacon is, is a, is a pretty big guy, right? And, and, and fit. So um, that's one of the things is that, you know, when you walk somewhere, always, you know, present like, you know, where you're going and, and be fit and things like that. And, and that was, that was one of the, the key pieces of advice and decreasing the likelihood that you'd be um, the recipient of a, of a, a attack. And for anybody, and I, I, you know, I know bacon, um, you know, to, to be aggressive toward him, I mean, really shows that people are, are going to take things um, to extremes. And yeah, it is. And it's this whole thing. And I talked about this with Aaron and Chad. I said, you know, there's a lot of people I just think that don't have, they don't perceive they have anything to lose, much to lose, right? They don't have savings in the bank. Um, they're, they're just not happy, um, you know, with, with they've lost agency and purpose. Um, and they're, they're, they're just like, well, what's the worst that, what's the worst that can happen? Right. It seems like everyone is getting turned back onto the streets. And, and there is this thing too, of like being part of a, a crowd or part of an event is, is energizing to some people. Um, you know, that's why they drive to these things from, from out of the, the area. Uh, so, yeah. So we get, again, this whole failure to regress to the mean is happening right now. And we've got cross streams, finite voltage, crowd and behavior. So it's just, it's, it's super volatile time. Like it would take very little to result in a very substantial, uh, you know, just um, tumbling of, of dominoes of, um, you know, these big cities, especially uh, having significant, um, imploding. Like I, I have friends who are, who are over the road drivers. And they said, Dave, right now we get bonuses. If we go to the cities, right? We get bonuses um, because it's dangerous. 
and um, and 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 I've won. And he's like, one phrase like, "I won't take my own vehicle at any time," you know, into into these. But yeah, will I deliver for somebody else? For a while, he would. Now he won't do it. He said, like, "I absolutely won't do it because right, you get stopped in." in um, a protest or stopped, I mean, they're going to not only go for the cargo, but go for you. Uh, so he's like, I'm, I'm not doing it. So at what point um, also do we stop restocking these areas? Um, because no one is willing to to go in and to bring supplies. So then how do supplies get to your population dense areas if they have to come in in smaller deliveries or i mean is it crazy where it would be airdropped i mean all of this stuff is like so close to becoming an observed uh set of of events like we will see this happen um so it, and I'm, I'm i'm sitting here you know it's the 29th of october i'm like we we are less than a week away from this i i had made a prediction that uh, that the state capitol in Madison, Wisconsin, would burn the week of the election, and I, I'm not doing that to, to to you know to be a dark or to be a fear monger, but but I looked at the you know the attacks um, in, in Madison, one on a legislator who was near the capitol, uh, you know, two people hospitalized him. Um, I know the proximity uh, of the capitol to where. The, the riots and looting um, and vandalism occurred. Um, I, I, I completely see it as, a, as what would be a target to make a statement after the, the election, right? Um, and I, I've been telling people, I said, I, I believe that this will, be, this will be a site that will immediately be um, targeted. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in other places. And really, I mean, which sites will be protected, which will will be sacrificed. Um, and I think those decisions have already been been made. But those things are, are, I mean, again, a failure to regress to the mean. It was only, you know, God, when I was growing up, you know, you'd have a presidential election and the next day, okay, you know, it's Reagan and now, or, you know, it's Bush or whatever it is. And it was it was a headline and then it was kind of gone. And you know now uh, this is this is um, basically almost a declaration of of war for people who feel that this is infringing, or um, you know whatever their interpretation of democracy is or their agenda or something like that. But let me go over to the to the chat. Um, so um, Brian wrote. Um, that uh, buy buy a generator, no matter how big or small. Also, learn to hunt for food. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, get batteries while you can. Rogue prepared. Uh, Morgan Rogue uh, has a terrific uh, website. Uh, many many shows, many blog posts on on preparedness. Even if you're kind of late to the game, like okay, it's tomorrow's the thirtieth, and we have an election. You know, on the third of November, what can you do right now? Um, and then Brian um, also uh, wrote, um, let's see here, as Mictibus, Agenda 2030, previously known as Agenda 21. If I'm correct on that, uh, Mictibus, that was, that's um, an agenda of like a one world government or a, a one government for the world, something something to that effect. Um, so, yeah, I, I think 
um, you know, I, obviously this is what's happening is, uh, you know, it's global, right? So we have to look at today what's happening in, in Paris, that Paris has the confinement of, I don't know, what is it, two, three weeks where you can't leave the city? So after 9 p.m., um, so people right now who are in the city are in, in this confinement time frame. Um, so it's basically the entire city is basically locked down. And there were uh, hundreds of thousands of people trying to get out of the city before 9 p.m. before they got to this confinement. And, uh, you know, this stuff is just just crazy to think about. And the other side is like, where is the science, the scientific model? We don't have, you know, again, this failure to regress to the mean, all this stuff is happening. We don't have a clear understanding provided by scientists, whatever, um, uh, saying, well, this is how long um, coronavirus or COVID-19 stays in, in the air, right? So that's one of the weird things, like uh, traveling on a plane was deemed safe if you wear a mask. But would, well, then wouldn't it be safe to do other things, you know, with a mask in close proximity. I mean, I, this, it, it's so weird, the whole pick and choose type of what's permitted and what's, what's not right. But, um, but it's pretty, it's, you know, the, the lack of, of understanding on this, for example, again, I'm teaching these superintendents and I can go from superintendents to superintendent. And these are good folks, right? But, you know, they're not doctors, their schools aren't being informed by medical professionals. They have some county, um, you know, medical advisor who initially was kind of all over this and, and you know, uh, you know, dictating things to schools. And then there was a lot of backlash. And now they've either backed totally out of the equation. And the soups will tell me that. I'm not getting any help from the county, David. They're not doing anything. Um, they're saying, you know, make your own decisions. Um, but yeah, it, it is really, really scary. Um, because, well, how long does, you know, whatever, this stay in the air? And then what filtration system takes it out? And I still see people with, you know, homemade mask. And, but the fact is, I can't go in today and type in and learn how long COVID stays on a dollar or on a quarter or in the air or, you know, inside of a bus or transit after somebody gets in and out. Or these types of things, or if it's outdoors, um, you know, how, what this whole, you know, the whole thing, right, of six foot, like that's arbitrary, right? Is It's not a social distancing of six feet away. That's the same as after 9-11 with airplanes when they said, yeah, you can't have more than, yeah, you know, 30 milliliters of shampoo or toothpaste in a clear container. It's an arbitrary number. Um, so we have all of these decisions being made on very right inconsistent science it's not there's not even a, again i would ask you know soup soup one tell me um you know how long does this stay in the air in in a classroom or in your you know whatever they you know they don't know and and that's not their fault i don't expect them to know and uh, it's just crazy so let me go back um Mictibus, uh, Joe was uh, retweeting NGA maps of D.C. earlier, expect martial law after the election. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing to that. This whole failure to regress to the mean, um, failure to regress to the mean, regressing to the mean would, would mean 
that people would uh, be following uh, the laws, basically, right? They would not be um, rioting and and looting, and that we wouldn't have uh, you know people uh, being surrounded in their cars and and you know being beaten and things like that. So this is further and further this failure to regress to the mean, and and I think you know as I guess uh, Mictibus had said, you know, with Joe Joe Dolio between, um, you know, the the you know maps of DC and and this 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 whole primer for martial law. I don't I don't think we would have seen this overt um, stuff with Walmart happen unless we were very close to like a martial law state. Forget it. For those of you who don't know, um, Walmart has removed um, all weapons and ammunition from its stores. Um, here in the last, I think, 24 to 48 hours. And the statement is uh, they anticipate a likelihood of looting of their stores that not want weapons and ammo to get into the hands of looters. So that's the statement. It's not, you know, that whatever, you know, COVID, you know, related, we're trying to prioritize our, our you know, re- it's, it's saying, um, hey, folks, like in my Walmart where I live, you know, that is, that is a half mile from me was one of the stores. Well, I mean, obviously it was, uh, all the stores were affected. Not every Walmart store said about half of them carried firearms and ammo. Mine did, you know, I'm in Wisconsin. This is a, this is a hunting area. It's hunting season right now. Um, and, uh, so yeah, the, the stuff is, is gone. So the, the message that that sends, and again, um, how that was done um, meaning that that was done, um, as, as Joe had indicated in plain sight, you know, this isn't a midnight thing at, at Walmart. I, you know, I used to work retail. I worked, I, I worked at, um, kind of like a home supply. I'm not going to give the name of it. Uh, back when I was in college, it was, it was, it's a big re- retailer and, uh, I worked in plumbing like that was so, and one of the things was, you never had an empty area on your your shelf, right? And you never had an empty end cap uh, because people uh, or companies would were paying thousands of dollars for you know this two square foot place on a shelf. Like that was so competitive. You can go back, and I have this in um, the velocity of information. Just how coveted it was to get a spot on a Walmart shelf, like. Um, you know, just just to have some retail space and a physical Walmart building, the competition for that was through the roof, right? And that's how Walmart would leverage it with their suppliers that they would get them to lower the price, lower the price because, hey, well, you know, you're going to be in the biggest retailer in the world. And now at my Walmart, there have been end caps that have been empty, um, completely empty for uh, at least two months and, and many shelf, many areas on shelves, just completely empty. And I would say based upon a year ago, the store is probably at uh, 40, per- 40 to 50% um, less stock than what it was a year ago. Um, so, you know, you kind of get conditioned to that a little bit because they're not filling the end caps up. So again, in retail, um, so Roger was our store manager and he would come around the store after hours and leave notes of things that you had to address as a department. We call them Roger notes. 
but he always had a section of saying, hey, like there's an unfaced area. And facing just means like, let's say you have three soup cans and somebody buys the first two, you'd bring the last one up so it looks like the, the shelf is full. So of course in plumbing, you'd have, you know, different different plumbing components and stuff like that. And you'd have to do facing or if something did open up, like there was something that did sell out, you would move other product there. Or if you didn't have product to move there, you had signage that you could move there. Um, and there was just standard signage like, you know, hey, you know, like Walmart could put on these end caps of something of saying, you know, hey, consider a Walmart, you know, credit card or um, hey, here's um, we also have stuff online. I mean, there could be stuff easily made, right? That would just go on to these end caps, which would be signage or even some reminder of store hours or reminder of like deli stuff, whatever it was but it's not there. And to me, that's really telling um, because the, the message that that is delivering is we want you to start to get this normalcy bias that when you come to Walmart, yeah, but you're going to have end caps, which will be empty. You're going to have places on shelves that won't have product. And uh, that was, it's just in retail, that's completely unacceptable, right? It's completely unacceptable to have bare space. Even if you don't have product, you convert that space into advertising to try to, yeah, you know, it, but it would, so to see this is, is really alarming um, to me because I'm like, they are, they, they know, like I, again, and I have friends and in, in work in retail and other things and in, in higher up and, and they, you know, their projections, they were telling me uh, a lot of the stuff they anticipated with COVID like, you know, back in February, like if this starts to play out, here's how the next like 12 weeks will be for us, Dave. So I think they're seeing, um, you know, they, they realize they understand their supply chains. They also understand that they're going to, you know, they probably don't want a lot of stuff in their buildings because they know they're not going to be able to secure them right now or to secure their vehicles. I mean, um, you know, is it going to be vigilante, um, you know, approach to every vehicle that comes down the road that has Walmart on the side of it, you know, stop it and take everything out of it because, you know, we're going to, to get, get, you know, get back from society or people are going to take it and loot it and put it on a secondary market. I don't know. I mean, I, I also noticed we had an Amazon van in our neighborhood yesterday and I'd never seen an Amazon van like that looked as much as a typical van as this one. Very small Amazon logo. Uh, Might have been like a dark kind of blue, black type van. Um, so it was one of those things, like if I wouldn't have paid attention that much, I'd be like, okay, van, maybe, you know, work van, utility van, whatever. But remember, like a Walmart van or a Amazon van, big logo on it, Amazon, you know, and all of that stuff. And, and I think now these, uh, you know, these businesses are looking and saying, like, we want to be more low key with this stuff. So let me go over here. Cameron Sanchez, evening, Doc. Evening, Cameron. Thanks for coming over, being part of the Safety Doc podcast. Um, uh, Brian indicates a bike generator hooks to my tires. Yeah. Um, I actually had something kind of like that <laughs> um, years ago and I, I sold it uh, to somebody. I just was, wasn't using it. Um, but uh, I do have, I, I do have wood heat here um, and it, it would, it does work without electricity. 
uh, to circulate and to maintain a temperature in the house. And I have uh, 10 cords of wood, two on the way. So uh, thankfully, I do have enough. It's only been in the 30s here. Uh, should be in the 50s this time of year, but it's been really cold. Um, so yeah, Bacon um, wrote, still on the fence about going to Seattle the day of might get stuck there. Yeah. Wow. Can you just imagine what Seattle Seattle's going to be like? Um, Bacon um, wrote, even the outside businesses are requiring masks, even with plexiglass up. Um, yeah. And that was something I was, you know, I'm, I'm observing, um, you know, more, right. Is people would be outside, uh, you know, back a couple of months ago. And if they went in, in, in there was, uh, in, into, um, a restaurant or anything, you know, then they would put a mask on or if they had to do some shopping and now you're starting to see this outside. Um, and you know, it was really also an observation yesterday, just how ingrained this behavior is as I was out with, uh, um, you know, with a few people, I, I'm just seeing this happen, but, uh, so Bacon, Bacon also wrote, uh, I was well-trained for this kind of thing, not worried about my safety, but Doc and Dolio pointed out something I didn't think of martial law. Last place I want to be stuck is here. So, yeah. Um, and and the again, I don't think we're far from a declaration of, of martial law because I, I, again, anticipate things will, will become uh, very, very violent, right? I don't think anyone anticipates that that's not going to happen. I mean, it might almost be a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point where people are going to, um, you know, be violent. I mean, look what, look at, you know, the, the continued violence going on in, in Philadelphia right now, for example, I mean, look over in Paris. I mean, how, how absolutely crazy uh, things have gotten there uh, just in the last 24 hours. So yeah, this, and we're hitting this time of year too, where, I mean, as things are getting colder across a lot of the country, people are having to, to stay in more. It's really a powder keg, a powder keg environment. Um, so, um, Mictibus, uh, wrote, uh, 100%. Um, my worry is the tendency of these people to mob you. I know you can handle one-on-one, -on -one, even uh, one on 10, one on 20 is pushing it. Yeah. So, um, and that's the thing. That's what I got out of, um, concrete jungle. Um, again, this, and, and the new one, Prairie Fire, which, which I have ordered. So we'll see if it's delivered or, <laughs> or if that gets ripped off of a truck or whatever. But uh, Clay Martin, his uh, con concrete jungle, you know, Clay, um, you know, former military, had served in, in two branches. But, uh, but just the, the common sense approach, uh, you know, from, from Clay of saying, if you can avoid these situations at all costs, do it. And again, you know, not putting um, signage out there, not putting your affiliation, uh, stuff like that, you know, keeping very low key. But there is some reality that this stuff could come to you, right? I, had, I asked my superintendents in the class, I said, what would you do if, um, you know, you had a van of athletes that were participating in a meet, some tournament somewhere, right? A lot of that's still going on, even if schools are virtual right now. And on their way back, um, they get caught in the middle of a, of a protest. And so the van is now, on it, it's, it can't be moved. It's in, in, in this protest. Like, you know, it has vehicles in front of it and back of it. There's nowhere it can go. And um, suddenly, you know, people are starting to become violent 
and smash out windows of cars ahead of you. You know, what, what are you telling your, your driver? What are you telling your coaches? Um, what would be the response to the kids? I mean, we do active shooter drills, right? Those are all the time. <clears throat> so it's a second. hydration. So schools do active shooter drills. I mean, all, all the time. Right. And so that's an idiom. They go really dramatic with that. Um, but I mean, should you be doing a drill now? Should you, should you be doing an exercise, a tabletop or having some discussion with your drivers, or your bus drivers of what happens, you know, if one of these gets surrounded. Um, and as Joe Dolio points out, you know, very keenly, you know, this can happen anywhere. And of course, this can, you know, this can be communic communicated by social media. This is where we're going to do it. But something can happen or something can be brought to you. When I was a school administrator, I would, you know, we had one school that was kind of rural and uh, people said, well, nothing will happen out here. And I said, the thing is, you might be right on that as far as like organically, something might not happen here as likely as in the city. But here's the part that you're missing. Anything can be brought to you, right? There could be a high-speed chase, and it could end up, uh, you know, right in your front lawn. And we had that happen in a school district about 30 miles uh, from me where there was a high-speed chase, and literally the vehicle crashed into this school. Um, so I said, you can't have this, you know, approach that it's it's not going to happen to you. You've got to be ready that it can, that it can be brought to you. I mean, every, I mean, people are, are, it's not like people don't have cars and mobility and things like that. If things continue to escalate that they can't take, um, you know, what was a mob in an urban area and move it to a suburban or even to a rural area. And especially we haven't seen a desperation um, uh, point yet. We haven't seen where there are empty stores in the urban areas and people are getting hungry. And now instead of, you know, coming out to, to loot and to steal clothing and TVs, they're coming out to steal food. Right. I mean, so, and that I think increases level of anger and, and, and desperation and just what people are willing to do who already weren't following our social contracts and, and we weren't regressing to the mean. So I, I think it's, it's a point of being extremely aware of yeah what is happening around you. Um, you know, I will 100% uh, limit my uh, travel in the next uh, week. Um, there is no way I will be traveling on election day. Um, there is, it's just unconscionable to, to do that because um, I, I am not going to put uh, myself in a situation where the, so many of the variables around me are going to be uh, just on fire at that point. I'm not going to be able to control that. Um, and yeah, I think as Mictib has pointed out, I mean, you can be, um, you, you can follow all of the rules and, and everything like that. Um, and, you know, what does it take then for a, um, you know, your, your vehicle to be surrounded, uh, people to come into your neighborhood to start breaking windows and things like that. You, you need to be really aware. And yeah, I, I would completely, um, just tell anybody to, to not drive, um, in, into a Metro area, 
um, and obviously to not do anything um, at night um, into those areas. Um, but let me let me go through just uh, here in the chat one more time. Um, so Brian wrote, the first thing to do in time of unrest is to shut down the internet. And so, yeah, I mean, there could, right, if we were in martial law, I mean, there could be a throttling of the internet. Um, there could be messages that would, would, you know, be coming up on our screens periodically uh, uh, of saying, like, here's what you have to do. You have to stay in your house. You have to do th these things. I mean, our systems, you know, the internet, television, radio, all of that. Um, it's the, the emergency broadcast system has access to all of that. <laughs> so remember the Hawaii missile crisis? What was that in 217 when they said inbound missile and it wasn't, wasn't accurate, but everybody's phone buzzed and it was coming across everybody's different media streams. Um, that, that type of stuff is obviously being primed right now to ready to go. Um, you know, and people, you know, to, stay in your house, um, that, you know, there would be, um, you know, throttling of, of internet. Um, it would be prioritized for government use or, you know, who knows? Um, I think electricity is going to be pretty dicey. Um, so, um, Brian, um, or Bacon wrote, am I on Nick August apocalypse? bingo show. I, I am. I'm part of the Collapsitarian Olympics <laughs> on November 3rd. So yeah, I agreed to that a, a few months ago. So I look forward to it. So yeah, on Tuesday night, I'll be on Nick August's show uh, with uh, quite a few other people. And we're just going to be doing kind of live updates from our locations and giving, um, giving commentary on what we see happening on election night. Um, I would anticipate, you know, that will be the, the kickoff, right, of substantial rally, uh, of riots, uh, looting and violence, um, things until election, I think until the polls close, you know, will be pretty, uh, pretty regulated. Um, I think after the polls close, especially when the first results uh, start coming in, the night will quickly uh, deteriorate. Uh, my thought, too, is uh, I think there'll be a delay on announcing election results, kind of like when Gore, um, you know, was running for president and then it was the Hain Chads thing. And I think that's, that would be intentional, right. To give a few, um, a few days to, to try to, I guess, brace for the impact or to spread out the impact. I, I just don't, what, there's a couple states that have gone and, and said they will count the, uh, ballots, mail-in ballots received up to like, I don't know, a week after. So we're probably looking at um, an early projection, right? You know, within 24 hours and then a more definite projection, maybe seven days out. And then who knows? I mean, is there going to be this whole movement from one side or the other to say, we're, you know, we're not going to accept the results and then what happens? And, um, yeah, I, I, I can only imagine. And the thing is, like again, we are so close to to this. It feels, um, it's like it feels like people should be more anxious and more, um, uh, I guess, observed, uh, observing of what's happening. Like Joe, you know, Joe's saying, "My God!" Like Walmart's have said, they're taking all of their guns and ammo out of the stores in the next forty hours, and they're doing it like right now, and. So what does that tell us? Like we, we, you know, we should be tuning into that. And just so many people aren't, they're like, Oh, you know, there'll be election next week. And 
a lot of people have voted. So I'm like, well, but that's not the thing, right? It's, it's whatever happens, there's going to be this massive response. Um, so uh, Mictibus put, um, states are allowing mail-in uh, ballot counting up to 10 days. Okay. I didn't know it was 10. Um, so, so yeah. So, you know, now it brings us to, you know, middle of November and realistically probably not till <laughs> end of November until there would be some definite, uh, you know, statement or coming out of, if it goes to the courts or whatever, what's challenged. I mean, this is, there's massive legal teams, you know, on both sides, I would say probably stronger uh, on the side of the Democrats of, of, of putting in place these challenges. And as those exist, I mean, every single day will, will, be uh, wild. Every single night we'll be be rioting and looting in these, especially in the metro areas. Um, and the longer that goes on, this failure to regress to the mean, it, it really is going to uh, thin out supply chains. And that is only going to fuel people to go further and further out in the suburbs and into rural areas to get whatever they can, breaking into houses, breaking into vehicles. And the thing is, like, who's going to stop them outside of individuals, right? Um, you know, law enforcement is is already I indicating there are certain things that they will will enforce in other areas that they won't enforce. You know, we saw that Minneapolis, Philadelphia, so in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, so, so yeah, it is a matter of if if you're in an area that is further, you know, far enough rural that it you're not going to be directly impacted, but you're going to you know have secondary impacts of your supply chain. And, uh, you know, everything from from your whatever Amazon deliveries to, to mail to payments to being able to, you know, your banks. Are we going to see banks, um, you know, limit access because people are going to just, you know, target banks for as robbery, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, if if people don't have resources, they're going to to start to to go that way. Um, so are banks going to say out of safety for our employees and whatever, we are limiting our hours to whatever. And then also not having currency on site saying something like, Hey, you can come to the bank, but you know, you can withdraw a total of a hundred or $200 a day and that's it. And everything else has to be electronic transaction. I mean, this could also move us really, it's failure to regress to the mean. The mean could mean we don't have uh, currency anymore. I know Nick uh, August on his show tonight had a guest, um, who is an expert on cryptocurrency and, you know, Bitcoin and, and the like, you know, maybe this is the way things are going because th there could be this whole other side. Like who would think Walmart would take guns off the shelf because people, you know, could come into the stores and, and loot. Maybe banks are going to say, we're not going to do currency because we don't want people coming in and robbing and killing our tellers and stuff. So we're, we, we are on board with going to digital. I mean, maybe that's going to be, 30 days from now, something that's made a few headlines and we'll be talking about it. So I think this whole failure to regress to the mean is, 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 and it's so unsettling for people because they want to get back into something that seems kind of normal, you know, like to not have, you know, even like little league baseball games and, and just stuff like that. I mean, the only, the, the time I felt kind of able to do my own thing and free was like when I was doing bike rides this summer, I'd go out and do like a day bike ride. And even then, you know, you, I'd come home and be—you you wonder if something had changed. You know, there'd been some new proclamation, and you, 
or you couldn't go out as far or something like that. But I mean, right now, I I wouldn't I wouldn't feel comfortable traveling, uh, you know, more than maybe thirty minutes away from my house, and especially where I had options to get back. You know, I'm not going to be traveling on an interstate to a metro area. It, it just would be completely irresponsible um, to do that right now. Um, so going back uh, to the to the chat. Um, so, yeah, Mictavis said, uh, it's okay, we're used to it. They're still contesting, battling the 2016 election. Yeah. And, and what does this mean for elections just going forward and things like this? I mean, I don't know. I, like I said, I missed the days of growing up and an election happened and the next day you had a new president and life kind of moved on. Um, Brian, um, or or president was reelected, whatever. Uh, Brian wrote, I'm sorry, but... Uh, but like taxes, if you don't have your mail-in ballot postmark by election day, then it, it should not count. Yeah, that's and I'm with you, Brian. I don't get this whole thing of like, <laughs> what you know, it's everybody knows when there's an election, things like that. Why is there this delay on this? This uh, and I guess I guess right. The argument is some states say we open our ballots on election night or whatever at eight o'clock, so all the ballots are received, but we don't open them until then. So we have this whole process, I guess, where they have to go through and open them and things like that. But still, like you would think, right, that this should, that logically, you should just be able to get the stuff in ahead of time and staff for that. And if anything, maybe like there's there's an additional, you know, 48 hours to process something like that. But I mean, because what's going to happen, right? Right, Brian, what's going to happen is is you'll have a state that'll say, well, you know, instead of 10 days, now we're in the process of, of, you know, processing these and we don't have enough, you know, people. And now um, there's, you know, there'll be additional, what is it? In, Dallas, in Texas, they've had additional um, lockdowns with, with coronavirus and things like that. And so they'll just say, we don't have enough staff to count the ballots. So now we're enough people. So now we have to push this out even further. So I think you'll have some states where this 10 days we'll be hearing it's now going to be, you know, it'll be two weeks or something like that because, of yeah, or they'll say, oh, there was a polling place, right, or, or polling centers, and people were um, COVID positive. So now, like, we've just wiped out a, a whole group of people who could count things. <laughs> I mean, what if somebody contests and says, you know, ballots themselves have to be quarantined? <laughs> well, okay, there was, there were, you know, these. This was a positive site, so we have to take the ballots and hold them for ten days to make sure that any virus on them has died. So I don't think these things are that far out of the realm of having somebody propose these. We've right. I mean, and, and then you'd have to have a challenge against it and it would eat up time, right? It would eat up time. And so I just, I wouldn't put these out of the realm of possibility in a time when we failed to regress to the mean and every day seems to be getting more unusual than what we've known, I guess, for most of our lives prior to March. Um, so, um, so yeah, Bacon wrote, how is that constitutional? Sass wrote, it's, it's not, yeah, it, it's not. But again, I mean, I think um, I, I would expect things like that would happen. Bacon uh, wrote, um, the podcast actually had the marketing department of my domain host call me yesterday. <laughs> They're two hours south of London. Even they're watching to see how crazy this will get. Are you serious? Holy smokes. So Bacon, um, the marketing department of his domain host called him 
Wow. That is, that is, that is crazy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Mictbis said, cheating is the, is the end goal. We saw it in 2018 states waiting until last minute to report the results and then going to hundred percent of the population voting right for the preferred um, candidate. And there's also this, this overlying piece, right? It's funding. It's the cares act too. So um, I think if you have further uh, collapse of your metro areas, which, you know, the majority of your metro areas being democratic, um, that is also going to prompt, if there is a democratic victory or democratic Senate, um, a passing of a more substantial CARES to stimulus bill, stimulus with a smile, right? Because it just adds trillions into a deficit that is out of control. And, you know, at some point, interest rates are going to have to go up um, just for the fact that either the value of the, of the U.S. currency will be recognized as being less. I mean, we're still the biggest kid on the on the block right now. But um, but yeah, I mean, so in, in some of these communities, I mean, the, the more unrest and collapse they have could equate to a stronger stimulus package for them. Um, so it's... It, it's one of those things. I mean, I'm. We haven't. It has been very unclear what's going to come out for municipalities. And of course, I mean, municipalities are going to jump on this and say, "Well, we need money," and and presumably because like our retirement accounts for um, our public employees haven't been fully funded, so we need to make that whole. And I mean, they'll go through all these these things that have nothing to do with coronavirus or what's happened since March, and try to fix it in one fell swoop. And not that they would really fix it, but at least try, you know, try to remedy these these issues which which they have brought upon themselves, um, and use this as an excuse to do it. And I mean, yeah, and there were trillions of dollars, right? Trillions and trillions in, in debt. And at what point, too, this failure to regress to the mean of like you know, having some interest rates that would make sense, you know, not 1% on a five-year CD, but, you know, like at least 5% or something like that. Our banking, when does that start to actually kind of look um, more like the mean, more like it should? Because if you get to a point, right, if you get to a point where you can just continually print money, which is, you know, basically what the U.S. does. I mean, the money's just, it, there's nothing backing, right? It's just a trust of of people. Um, if once you get a certain point in that, what's the difference between 25 trillion and a hundred trillion? I mean, you're starting to talk in fantasy numbers that people know you're not going to pay back. And so what are they going to do? Unless they really have the economic power to take you on, they're just going to have to go with it until there'd be, you know, like some global depression or, you know, whatever. It's not going to be, the U S wouldn't be Venezuela um, unless, you know, like China or somebody else take over. But, so, so, but that thing basically means like you can just give, you could create all these bills and give people money and give these, these government, these, these local governments money and these metros money. And they, they could just go wild, you know, with it and, and just spending it into all these, all of these programs. Uh, it, it, again, it's, it's far away from what we should have, right. Which would be like a, maybe a national infrastructure bill, um, you know, bridges, highways, um, Thing you know, things like that, tangible versus um, you know, putting money into to programs, uh, bills. But I don't know. 
So yeah, um, Mickibus put states need to fund their own budgets. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I completely agree with that. There need, and I I did a couple podcasts um, right back in March April, and I was projecting what this would mean for schools and school safety. If there would be this this austerity that would come across schools, they would be told by their states, you need to cut twenty percent, thirty percent or more. And uh, and I'm just not I'm not seeing it at all. Like so. Yeah, there has been a decrease in funding, but a lot of districts, um, especially districts close to where I'm at, and they've lost 5% of their student base, things like that. And they still have the same staffing. They still have the same number of aides. They're still paying bus drivers. It is just, and you can read these articles over and over again. Um, these austerity measures just aren't happening. And yeah, the universities think, well, we're putting you know, people on furlough. So the three or five days, they won't get paid. Well, I get that, but we're also, it should be more substantial than that. It should, across the board with government, we should see austerity measures right now. And we don't see, I'm saying, especially these, these cities uh, in, in, you know, counties and metro areas, we don't see these austerity measures. It's insane. Um, in response to what has happened since March. Um, so it's very frustrating for me because I did, I think I was right on with that show. I think the show made a lot of sense, but then it never happened. And I'm like, that's people just aren't willing to feel the, the tightening of the belt, right? It's a discomfort to them. So they're just holding out and saying, we'll just keep everybody on contract. <laughs> you know, even though, Right. We, we don't have the kids on billing, but we'll keep the aides here or we'll we'll keep running bus routes. One of the schools did that. It wasn't in Wisconsin, but uh, I think I retweeted the article. And the, the reason the district administrator said, well, we're keeping our bus drivers on on staff. Right. We're paying them. We're running the bus routes every day, even though we're not picking kids up because we want the bus drivers to be sharp, <laughs> to have their skills sharpened when we do go back to in-person classes. And that's just the biggest lie. Right. It's just garbage. And the reason they did it, the reason that they kept, um, you know, these these bus drivers on is that they 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 one if they get rid of the drivers, right? It's hard to find bus drivers, and you have to go through the pain of hiring. Uh, but the other one is if you decrease your spending as a district, there's something called maintenance of effort, basically, and it's it's better for your state funding if you spend the same amount you spent in the year prior or more. From so to be to show that restraint as a district to do a reduction in force and to sit down with your different, if you have a union bargaining group or other groups like you know your custodians, your teachers, your administrators, and stuff like that, and and to really put into place some you know reductions, austerity reductions, it just doesn't happen. And it's different that, I mean, 15, again, this is a regression from the mean we've seen again in um, the way that public um, entities are managed, yeah, you know, public, um, uh, yeah, you know, public workers in, again, metro areas, which have lost millions and millions of dollars in revenue to, due to taxation or due to, you know, not having sports, um, you know, professional sports being able to be played and things like that. Um, and they're not laying off people and they're not reducing hours and stuff like that. So it's, it's just, it's, it's frustrating because yeah, I, I did that podcast podcast. I'm like, this is 
That is exactly how it would have played out 20 years ago or more. There would have been that response. Um, so maybe I'm old school. Like I went back and I listened to that. I'm like, I think I'm like old time. Like this just isn't the world we live in anymore. That when hard times hit that you have to tighten the belt of government spending at a state and local level. And it's just not happening. It just is not. And the thing is, because I think there's this thought of, well, we'll just get this bill passed and, um, you know, the, the, this additional funding and everything will just be made whole instead of this austerity. It's frustrating. I think it's wrong. I completely, it appalls me that that's the way things have gone. Um, looking over in, in the comments, um, comments per pre previous stream, it's possible we go to universal cashless digital currency from SAST. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I saw, well, again, my local Walmart, other stores, signs that said cash only. Uh, Joe Dolio sent me some that he, you know, he saw a few months ago. So those are in my book of, you know, the velocity of information, things that we have to to process, you know, cashless transactions, uh, stuff like that, just being the norm. Um, and we haven't got, hey, Woke Chewy, what's up, Doc? Just got in. Welcome, buddy. Woke Chewy. Um, and people, again, are getting conditioned to this. It's normalcy bias where, okay, the first time you go to the store and it says, you know, uh, credit only, right? You're like, okay, whatever. And you think it's maybe short term. It was what a coin shortage, right? That was the argument. Um, now, you know, the other argument is, is of course, coronavirus. We want to limit you handing somebody paper currency or coins or stuff like that. Which actually, I if I were to script this, <laughs> if I were to be in charge of the argument to get rid of money, um, the spin doctor on this, I would come at it really strong from that angle. Like I would say. It has to be done as a way to decrease transmission. I'm not saying that's what I believe, right? The science, I'm, I'm just saying, though, I would have hit that really hard as a spin doctor. Maybe we were in for that, of just having, you know, uh, 10 of the biggest nations come out and say, you know, and they're, they're banking and whatever, and say, we're, we are going, transitioning to cashless, and you will have... Um, you know, so many days to redeem any paper or coin currency that you have. And after that, it's just basically going to be like collector stuff. I've talked to somebody who's, who believes that is a very plausible scenario. Um, and then you basically would, yeah, would have be working off of a credit card or, you know, and that would, that would rocket uh, cryptocurrency, you know, um, up also, but it's, how far away are we from that? I mean, I don't, I would say it's a very plausible scenario. Um, you could also argue interruptions, you know, with the mint, we don't have a, you know, we don't, we can't get the raw materials or um, we don't have the, the workers. It's costing more to make a penny or a nickel than it actually, you know, whatever. But um, I, if there is a time, right, if there is a time for a government or governments to make a push for a cashless society, which means every transaction everybody makes is not only monitored, but you can have your stuff uh, limited, right? If you're in China um, with social credit score, which has been there since, what, three years ago, 
Um, there, there are places you, you can have money in your account, but if your social credit score isn't at whatever, uh, the place won't accept your money. So, you know, you go in with your, your credit card or whatever, you're trying to, to get a, a plane ticket or a train ticket and they'll say, no, no, it comes up as you've been, been flagged with social credit. You can get a bus pass, but you can't get a train pass. So, um, when I saw the social credit score going in Japan or not Japan, in China, three years ago, I watched it and thought, it's not, we're not far off from that happening somewhere else. Um, I don't know, you know, where, you know, could it, Japan probably wouldn't need it. Um, but maybe, you know, like Australia, right. France, um, I guess now maybe you could even see, uh, England, um, going that route. I don't think we're far off from a social credit score and you, you would get things for social credit score of like for wearing your mask. Right. Um, or if you allowed your phone to be, um, allowed it to be traced. Like I, all of our social, all of our systems are already traced. Right. But if you permit it that, so then with the, with the whole thing of like, well, then it contributes to informing the database about contact tracing of where you've been. Other people have been, we'll have a much more robust system to get information out to people. Um, we, this is just the argument, right? I'm not, I, I'm not back. I'm just trying to, to lay out how it, think this argument could be presented in a way where a majority of people would probably go with it, right? Because again, let's just bring up this image. Um, let's just let's just bring up this image. So this is Velocity of Information, my second book, and people want to get back to what they over here on the left remember is utopia before March. So if we look at this, you know, we're over here present day on the right, and we have this failure to regress to the mean. We've hit finite voltage at 90 days, meaning a lot of people have just burned out. They've become very impatient. Um, they're very depressed. They're unsatisfied with life. They would give part of the social contract, right? Social contract is I'll give these rights to my rights to the government in order for the government to protect me, right? Quote, unquote. After 9-11, there was a big exchange of the social contract. People saying, I'll let you be more invasive with monitoring my finances, uh, monitoring, um, you know, my phone and email, my air travel, stuff like that, because you're going to keep terrorists out of the country. So that's the, that was the trade-off, right, of a social contract with the Patriot Act. So right over here, failure to regress where we're at now. This is very unsettling for people. Um, people want to get back to what they perceive as, as some um, Taurus or, or self-similarity. They want to get back to what they think things were like back in February. They remember that as being utopia. Um, so if you present people with this trade-off, right, if you're saying, hey, here's the deal, like get rid of cash, and let us track everything, right? Um, so I mean, those those would be you know those would be uh, you know two of the two of the things. Um, also, <laughs> you know everybody has to take uh, the vaccine, and if you don't take a vaccine, it will count against your social credit score, or there'll be some score that's will count on, or it could count against your FICA score, right? Because people would say, 
Um, there's a greater risk to lend money or whatever to give credit to someone that hasn't been vaccinated because they could be put into a quarantine and not be able to earn income. I mean, these arguments could be made. And, you know, you're listening to this show, Bull Rush, uh, you know, Mictibus, Sast, uh, uh, Juan, Brian, I mean, you know, for you, you know, all of this makes sense, right? That's, that's, uh, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate everybody in the chat, Sast, because, um, you know, your intellectual, this makes sense to you. Like you, you see this, <laughs> but, you know, we are, the, we are not the majority in this. Uh, the majority of people will, will, you know, surrender rights, will do what they are told, right? They will follow these uh, these directives. I mean, it, it will. It's like Paris again today. Going into this, what two week confinement? You can't get in and out of the city. Um, people will surrender these things, and once you get a majority to do it, um, it is again. Then it either what becomes um, uh, yeah, almost this, this civil war too, which which Clay writes about in Prairie Fire, Clay Martin. Or what happens, or do, you know the the rest of us? I mean, so if they take away currency, paper currency, and coin, um, I mean, it's, what do we go to? I mean, obviously, people say like, like you know, gold and silver and crypto and things like that. Okay, yes, but I mean, like, if you have paper currency, it's not like you could hold that back and say, well, I'm not going to give in my paper currency because it could just be, in a you know, on July 1st, if it hasn't been redeemed, it won't be accepted anywhere. So, I mean, that is a very plausible scenario, especially if you put it out there. And I mean, you could layer this so many ways, right? If I had a day, if the government sat down with me and, and had a day, and I wouldn't do this, right? But if they, if they, I always said the Hawaii missile crisis, I could have come up with the best cover story for that. Um, no one would have questioned it, it would have been completely awesome. But, um, but anyway, I, I could sit down and say, Here's the story. Here's how to spin it. You know, you could do it from a point of saying it's not cost effective to do the currency. It's the virus is on the paper and coin currency um, that, um, you know, our ability. So, you know, th those would be those would be two of the things. International transfers um, of, of currency would be be much more uh, wrap it without this uh, we'd be more efficient in you know things like drive-throughs and retail and that we would save time and whatever i mean you could just i i could you could come up with all this and and you could also say like we can track currency better um because uh, for patriot act to know where currency is coming in and out of, this, of you know it's not what is it like <laughs> when the u.s deals overseas like in 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 a lot of the dealings, it has to be all like paper as paper money, right? It's hundred dollar bills and twenties and big, big crates, big um, pallets. Um, so it's not trackable, right? But I don't know. I, so, so I think this whole thing is people are going to to be willing to give up a lot um, for what they perceive is a return to the mean. Um, and once you give it up, right, you never get it back. You absolutely never get it back. Uh, Bullrush put, um, uh, took you long enough. Uh, cashless society is the end game. Monitored these nuts. <laughs> oh man, I walked right into that. Come on, Bullrush. Um, so wow. Um, 
Yeah, SAS, but I posted an article that was 100% uh, relevant to that, but I don't have the wrench. Ah, how do I give you, how do I give the wrench? Um, somebody write that. I'm willing, I can, I can do that here. How the hell do I, how do I do that? Um, all right. Cause I'm in StreamYard. Am I able to give the, the wrench, um, through StreamYard? How does this, anybody know, can you post, um, how do I give the, how do I give the wrench? Okay. So I'm watching. How do I give the wrench? So, all right. So, all right. A black swan event. So black, what is a black swan event? Um, just re, kind of real quick here. What's a, what I must do it on YouTube. So, um, three dots to the right of the, the chat in YouTube. Okay. But just hang, hang with me. Let me, let me get over here into YouTube and, um, Okay. All right. So I'm going to log in. All right. Somebody subscribe. Thank you very much uh, for doing that. Um, good. Okay. So let me get in and okay. So you said the three dots. Okay. So it says, oh, manage moderators. All right. Okay, so walk me through this a second. Manage moderators, um, add moderator, right? So how do I? How the hell do I do that? It has to be done on YouTube. So I, I've got it. So Wookie, can you guys like help me on this? So so I can actually show you. Yeah, I can. Let me show you what I've what I've got. Um, just a second. Okay, so so take a look. That's that's what what's happening. So, okay, add it in the live chat. So, let me get over here to what the hell is going on? Um, okay, so. Live chat. So yeah, I press, I've got the three and it says uh, manage, moderate, and um, manage moderators, participants. So, okay. So I see you guys as uh, participants and you can add two dots to the right of the message I post. Okay. Um All right, let me get in there. Two dots to the so I see the message you post. There's I see three dots next to the message you post. And add add moderator. Okay, so SAS, you are now a moderator. Actually, let me just clean this up for for you other guys so I can put you in. So is that what it's doing? It's I, I need to add you as a moderator so you can that gives you the wrench. Um, so, all right. So just let me clean it up here a little bit. Um, everybody's a moderator. Look at this. All you guys are cool. Um, some channels I'd have to limit. So that means you guys can go in and, 
lay down the hammer here. Somebody goes goes absolutely nuts. Um, See, I think I've got everybody who should be um, a monitor. Good. Okay. Coolio. All right. So yeah, post, post away. So great guys. I Cameron, Cameron. All right. Cameron, did I give you, did I give you the, uh, monitoring thing here? Just wait a second, buddy. All right, Cameron, look at that. You are now a moderator. You're like, how the hell could this day get any better? How could how could we uh, how could we get toward the mean? How could we regress to the mean, which is actually a good thing? You can be a moderator for this show. So, so yeah, so you know, we've heard things too, like a black swan event. So 9-11 was a black swan. A black swan event is something unpredictable. Nobody saw it coming right. I mean, out of the blue. Um, so it's kind of like a force majeure event. Very rare. It can be positive. It can be negative. Um, most of the times we think of them negative, like Chernobyl 9-11 attacks. Um, in 1859, September 2nd, there was a solar flare, huge solar flare that uh, took out most of the telegraph equipment across the world as a black swan event. COVID-19, I guess, black swan event. So those are things like that in hindsight, <laughs> people think that, oh, yeah, I, I saw all the symptoms for that. Like I said, that, that was all playing out. Could have been prevented. That's just because, we you know, we get more information. We start to create this whole narrative. So there's other things called narrative fallacy. So I would say, like, just look that up on your your own sometime. Um, I'll talk a little bit about it. But this is where people and not. Again, you're listening to this. You're you're aware of it. You're not you're not getting sucked in and um, taken out by narrative fallacy, but probably a lot of people you know are. So narrative fallacy leads us to basically create this in our mind this logical chain of events of why things happen. So you know it's it's like the story of like oh this like you know this this athlete how they made it into you know the NFL and all of that stuff because they worked hard and you know they had you know good genetics and a good high school coach and all of that and it's like yeah that's part of it right and part of it is just like there's there's also a thousand other people that had all those same variables but this person also had luck like they were on the right team at the right time with the right coach and they had some connections or they attended some combine where someone was there observing them or something or someone got hurt ahead of them and they got some playing time so yes like those factors are part of it but it it this whole fallacy narrative or narrative fallacy and there were the two books that came out uh, i'm going to mention these because they're they're really they're really uh god where in oh okay the the two books in search of excellence and the book Good to Great. <laughs> so those were books that describe companies that were just doing awesome, right? These companies are model companies that everybody should should try to aim to be like. And the reality was um, you go five to 10 years out and all of the companies mentioned in those books in search of excellence and good to great, they all regress to the mean. They just turned back into normal companies or they, they fell below the mean um, and some of them even went bankrupt. None of them maintained this level. They were already above, far beyond the mean. They were unsustainable. We'll see that with Google too. There's no doubt. I mean, 
Google, Google's the big player right now, but they will, they will regress to the mean and there will be, you know, some new uh, industries that will come into that and, and, and things, uh, new players, but it's just funny. Yeah. I was reading, I was reading an article um, that analyzed how, you know, we make these examples, these narratives out of things that there, there really isn't the narrative at all. We just create it and manifest it. So, but yeah, so you're, as we, so a lot of people got wrenches tonight, which is an absolute great thing. Um, so, um, uh, Mictibus, um, uh, wrote, uh, luck equals preparation plus opportunity. Right, right. Completely. And, and we, we neglect to acknowledge the opportunity side of that. Um, too many people do, right? Um, Wok Chui, uh, Chui, a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, SAS experience. When uh, when did we need it yesterday? When did we get it today? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in in wrapping up, um, you know, thanks for uh, being you know participating in the the chat. SAS, uh, Cameron, um, uh, Wok Chui, um, Mictibus, uh, Red. Juan, uh, appreciate it. And I'm going to, um, you know, I've, I've got uh, some more shows um, ready to go. Uh, I've got Carl uh, Hop coming on. Um, he's going to give us some some insights on how it's really hard to break um, a culture of how employees, when they're doing things a certain way, and then strategies that he used on that. And of course, we're going to, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm seeing um, and what I'm perceiving as this failure to regress to mean. Um, increases. And I, I wouldn't put it beyond school districts, for example, that have gone back to school to not um, to, to basically say we can't secure a school setting anymore because, you know, uh, police are strained with with these riots and, 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 you know, schools have already decreased their SROs, school resource officers. I can see schools saying we can't it's we can't safely bus kids. Make that statement to parents saying we're not going to bus kids when yeah the police aren't out patrolling the streets and we have fifty kids in a bus which can now uh, you know be be stopped during a protest and we can have five year olds in there. I mean, so I think you're going to see uh, schooling grind to a halt, especially in these metro areas, and not because of the coronavirus. I think there'll be a statement of saying. One, we cannot safely b- believe they'll safely be guaranteed a statement like th- th- they would say this. And the second one is that we don't believe our facilities can be kept safe because it's population dense, right? If if someone was to, a, a, a riot was to somehow make its way to a school or elementary school. Um, and yeah, I mean, now suddenly you have a population dense area and you're not able to secure it. So Watch for that and say, hey, Doc talked about that on, on October 29th, that schools were going to, you know, maybe or even shut down the week of the election or until, you know, for the rest of November in some of these metro areas. And they would just say, uh, we're doing it because, yeah, it's a it's safety for staff and students. Uh, we don't believe public safety it is at a level that allows us. So, I mean, like what I'm talking about right now, <laughs> like I could create that narrative and really, like, if you worked that narrative as a school administrator or as a teacher's union or something like that, it would be a pretty compelling narrative, 
right? You would have, you could point, you could point to things and say, look, like this, you know, these, these areas in our town have been, you know, substantially damaged or destroyed in vehicles and, and, um, but, uh, so again, I, I think you're going to see things change from this narrative of coronavirus, which, you know, that was the reason Walmart decreased their hours and stuff like this and whatever. Now you're seeing this whole different narrative of behaviors that are changing. Walmart, we're getting rid of firearms and things like that, at least for the short term. In 48 hours, all of our buildings, because we believe there's a high risk of looting in our in our buildings and, um, you know, that we're not going to be able to secure them and police won't secure them. Well, if Walmart is saying that, right, it's not that big of a bridge to cross to have a school say that, especially with kids. Um, and then, so do you protect your hospitals then? I mean, what's happening on the side of, of law enforcement and emergency management? Is it saying, you know, we're going to set up in, because we also saw that hospitals, um, entrances to hospitals during, um, you know, if an officer was shot and they were being transported to a hospital, that there were rioters dispatched to interrupt that path so they couldn't um, have access to hospitals. So I think, I think this will be an interesting show to, to play back or to keep in your mind here in the next um, seven to 21 days. So, wow. All right, everybody. I'm Dr. David Pro in the safety doc. It is my honor to be delivering episode 149 here of the safety doc podcast. Check out the other shows at safetyphd.com. Every show I've done is there plus a blog post, um, which is maybe about a three to five minute read. It's very concise where I pull in everything that I've kind of touched base on. Um, but yeah, so we do have a number of interviews. Most of the podcasts are interviews. I would uh, definitely recommend, um, you know, some of my, my favorites, uh, Brian Bowden, uh, Larry Lawton, um, going back, Robert Travis, uh, who was the, on, on the crab boats going, checking some of those out. So take care, everybody. Um, please tell friends and family to subscribe to the safety doc podcast. I would love to get to a thousand <laughs> subscribers someday. I mean, I see these YouTube channels where it's like, Hey, we just hit like a hundred thousand. And, uh, if I hit a thousand, I'm going to make something for the back here and I will put it up. There'll be some sign that says yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've hit a thousand subscribers. So if you can make that happen, if you have friends and you say, Hey, you know, just, you got a YouTube channel. If you can just go in and follow the safety doc, I know you'd appreciate it. Um, anything you put in the comments, I always appreciate that. It helps the algorithm too. Um, and this is out on audio. It will be out tomorrow. Hey, 18 thumbs up. Thank you very much. It'll be out on audio uh, tomorrow on Podbean. So if you go to Safety PhD, like, you know, it links over to Podbean. Um, and then, you know, you can download, obviously, the podcast if that's if that's the way you want to listen. So I know our good friend Phil in Germany downloads, downloads the shows and listen to them. But uh, again, uh, thank you, everybody. Stay safe. This is your good friend, the Safety Doc. Uh, good, a smiley there from SAST. Uh, Mictibus. I mean, appreciate, appreciate, uh, all you guys. So take care, everybody. Oh, Hey, wait a second. Before you leave, um, I got to do this. It snowed here. It, uh, it snowed here <laughs> last week in two days. It snowed. I left for coffee in the morning. There was an inch of snow outside. That's not supposed to happen. Not yet. All right. So, all right. Take care, everybody. This has been the safety doc podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin.
Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.